for a tool that's claiming to be able to tell you who you are, then it needs to be based on something objective, some objective data, something. And it's not. And when it's not, we have to realize that we can believe something because it has a little bit of truth in it, Mm -hmm. like you said earlier, and we latch on to that. Welcome to the Nate Morris Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Nate. Uh, so good to be with you all today. Um, on this podcast, we talk about all uh, sorts of different subjects, a lot of things that maybe don't come up in a Sunday service at church. Um, and today's no exception to that. I've got a very special guest on today uh, with a very interesting topic that I think will be uh, new information to a lot of you guys. Um, but before we get to that, I just want to take a second and say, if you haven't liked um, this podcast in your podcasting platform, please go ahead and do that now or give us a rating as well. All those things help us get bumped up into the algorithms so that we get uh, heard by more people. So that would be a great blessing if you could do that. You can also follow me uh, at Pastor Nate, Pastor N, and then the number eight.com or uh, on Facebook, Instagram, or you can email me if you have questions or would love to suggest a, a podcast topic at nate at mountainlife.church. Would love to connect with you that way. So our guest today is Marsha Montenegro, and uh, we're going to be talking about the Enneagram, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But uh, Marsha, thank you so much for being on the program today. Hi, uh, thank you for having me, Nate. I really appreciate you giving me this time. Well, thank you for, for giving us this time. This is a, a blessing for us as well. So, uh, Marcia, the just before we get into our, our discussion on the Enneagram, which for people, this might be totally fresh and new to them, uh, what we're going to talk about, uh, I'd like maybe you could give us just a couple minutes about your background. Um, I know you've got a unique story of how you came to Christ and, um, and a little bit about your ministry as well. Okay, sure. Um, Yes, I uh, was in what's called the New Age for a good 20 years or more, Um, very involved with Eastern teachings like Hinduism and Buddhism, especially Zen Buddhism. Okay. And then involved with astrology to a, a great degree. I was a professional astrologer and very active in the Astrological Society. Um, I also kind of dabbled in other areas. You know, I had tarot cards. Uh, I took psychic development classes. Mm. I took a palm reading class. Okay. Um, I did, you know, I was into different areas of what is called the new age, but actually a lot of those practices would be classified as occult practices. Right. Um, And there's a big overlap between the occult and the new age, even though, I, I do make a distinction between them. Okay. Um, so I was involved with that for many years, felt that I was on a spiritual path. And then the Lord intervened. And I won't go into that because really it would take a good 20 minutes just to give you the basic story. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My yeah. pastor has made me give a three minute version, but okay. I have to leave a lot out. Okay. <laughs> so basically I'll say the Lord intervened in my life and uh, and, and just really out of the blue, I wasn't okay. trying to, you know, leave what I was in or anything like that. Yeah. 
And God just kind of like intervened over a period of time. And that intervention led me into a church, which actually was a very open-minded church. Okay. But then in a matter of weeks, um, I just started reading the Bible. And it was while I was reading scripture uh, in Matthew chapter eight, that my eyes were opened and I saw who Jesus really, really is. Okay. And that is when I, I turned my life over to Christ and I was born again. I found out several months later, a coworker in a part-time job who was a Christian had been praying for me with a young adult group at his church. Oh. So that's a very, that's the, uh, that's the 45 second version. Okay. <laughs> yes. It was a minute. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That uh, praise the Lord for how he works. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so you were involved with astrology then. Um, so you would, would you write horoscopes essentially and, or, or share those with people? Not, or? not really. No, I was, I was the, the person that you would give your birth data to, and then you would make a, um, an appointment with me and I would see you personally and analyze your birth chart, which is, includes the sun, moon, all the planets, okay. where they are in the chart, which is a circle divided into 12 areas that are called houses. Okay. And the zodiac signs fall around those houses, depending on your time and place of birth. Okay. So there's a lot of possible combinations. Yeah. And the um, planets are also looked at in relation to each other. So if they're opposite each other or next to each other, that means something. If there's 90 degrees from each other, that means something. It gets very, very complex. Yeah. Um, and that was really what I did. Now, for a short while, I wrote a horoscope column for a little local, I don't know, little kind of local newsletter paper or something uh, because they were they didn't have anybody and they were looking for someone. Okay. Um, and I did that just for a very short time. Um, and I can tell you that horoscope columns are very general, but, and they're written mainly based on the movement of the moon. Okay. As the moon changes zodiac signs every two and a half days. Oh, okay. So the, the person doing it will look at the position of the moon and relative to each sun sign Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, et cetera, and maybe look at a planet like Venus and see where it is and come up with something on that. Because there's not much you can do. Right. Because, you know, horoscope columns are kind of, they're not very specific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and most astrologers uh, look down on them. So. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So yeah. I, I ask you to share all that because I think that it gives some background to the subject we're going to talk about today <laughs> and why you right. are a person that's qualified to, to, to speak on these subjects um, that, that we're going to talk about. And so thank you for that. Um, how sure. can our listeners connect uh, with you, whether on social media or through your website or your writings? Uh, okay. Uh, yes. Um, first of all, I have a website, ChristianAnswersForTheNewAge.org. Okay. I have many, many articles there. They can go to the articles page. If they go to my schedule page, they'll see links to interviews, podcasts, and video interviews I've done. Um, the most recent ones should work. The older ones may, you know, may or not work. Right. Um, it's the only social media I do because it takes up so much of my time is Facebook. Okay. <laughs> I don't no. have time for other social media. Uh, who has so, time um, for I'm, that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I just don't. But um, on 
Facebook um, people interested should find uh, Christian Answers for the New Age. That's the name of my ministry page. Okay. And it's the only Facebook page with that name. Okay. And then you can like and follow it. And I do posts there on New Age topics. But you can message me and, you know, if you have questions you don't want to post publicly, you can message me or um, you can reach me through email on my website. So I'm very open to that. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much. And sure. so if you, if you have questions for Marsha or you want to connect with uh, her on social media, you can do those things. Also, Marsha has written or co-authored um, some books as well, and definitely want to check those out. Um, and, you know, I stumbled upon you as I was researching the Enneagram. Um, and really the reason that I started to research this was because I had been hearing lots of chatter about the Enneagram among Christians and I never really knew much about what it was. Honestly, I, I had heard of Myers-Briggs. I had heard of 16 personalities and lots of different personality tests. And I'm not necessarily against personality tests per se, other than kind of their unscientific basis. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but, uh, but the Enneagram just seemed to be the, the rage at the moment. And so I was thinking, what, what, what's the deal with this? And so I did a little bit of research and I stumbled across some of your interviews and some of your articles and uh, just thought, you know, this is something that would be really good to discuss on the podcast. And so um, you might be thinking if you're listening, wait, the Enneagram, we're talking about a personality test. Why are you having an occult expert on <laughs> for the Enneagram or a personality test? Well, um, it has to do with the roots of the Enneagram and where it comes from. And so, uh, Marsha, could you explain to us just a little bit, uh, what are some of those roots of the Enneagram? Where, do, where does this come from? Okay, sure. And just for those who don't know, the Enneagram is a nine-sided, nine-pointed geometric figure, just in case someone's listening and they and they don't really know what it is. Yeah. And each point is a type, and you supposedly fit one of those types more than the others. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you're supposed to figure things out about yourself. And that's the way it's presented in the church in over 35 books from evangelical publishers. Okay. Now. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's the issue with the Enneagram. It's not just the roots, but it's the nature and purpose of the Enneagram yes. that are a problem. Uh, but it started in 1916. It is not ancient as almost all the Enneagram books either claim it's ancient or they say the origins are murky or we don't know the origins. And that's not true. We know the origins. 1916. Okay. <laughs> so 105 years ago. Yeah. Um, it started as a diagram from a man named George Gurdjieff. And he was sort of the spiritual seeker a spiritual wanderer kind of person who was seeking out spiritual teachings from different spiritual traditions. Okay. Um, he came up with this diagram that he felt illustrated all the laws of the universe. And he said it could explain anything in the universe. Okay. That's what this Enneagram would do. And he played around with it mathematically. He had the law of three and the law of seven that he explained how it fit in there. He put a musical scale on it. It was later used as part of his teachings, uh, occult, very Gnostic type teachings. Okay. Um, where the idea is that 
you don't really know reality and don't really know who you are. You're asleep to it and you need to be awakened okay. through these special secret teachings. Right. Okay. This is a hallmark of new age and occult yes. uh, thinking. Very, very common. Yes. Uh, now, so that's what, that's what it was. It really, it didn't, he, he didn't talk about personality types or any kind of individual thing with the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Then along comes a man several decades later named Oscar Ichazo. Okay. Um, oh, I first should mention uh, Gurdjieff had a pupil named P.D. Uspensky, who wrote several books about Gurdjieff's teachings, including the Enneagram. Okay. So the Enneagram was first written about by P.D. Uspensky. And I think probably those books came out in the 40s. I'm not sure if there were any, maybe in the 1930s, I need to check, but I think it's mostly the 1940s. Okay. But still the main people who were following this were followers of Gurdjieff and Uspensky. Um, and they both died in the late 40s. Okay. Then along comes a man named Oscar Ichazo, um, who has an occult school in Arica, Chile, and he starts teaching the Enneagram in the 1960s. Okay. There's different stories of when and how he came across it. The latest that I have I have heard from someone that whose judgment I trust and who has been investigating this, um, Dr. Ron Huggins, is that it, it probably he came across uh, one of Uspensky's books about the Enneagram. But there's different stories. He even has a story where he claims an angel gave him the information. Um, and there's other stories, so we don't really know. But he did start teaching it at his school, we believe, in the 1960s. Uh, and there was a student who came to him around 1970 named Claudio Naranjo, who was a psychiatrist from Chile. Now, when I say psychiatrist, a lot of people may be thinking of someone kind of scholarly and intellectually, yeah. you know, intellectual. And he was very intellectual and very, very smart and very highly educated man. Yeah. Um, but he was a he spiritually he was in deep deception. He was, you know, he was going into a lot of spiritual ideas that were very pagan. OK. And. Um, he, his focus as a psychiatrist was the use of hallucinogenic drugs. Yeah. And that was his focus. So he himself would take these drugs and he felt that these would take him to spiritual places. He would have spiritual trips okay. on these drugs. Oscar Ichazo did the same thing. So when he became Ichazo's student, he was doing these things with Ichazo and he learned the Enneagram from Ichazo. Now, the way Ichazo taught it was that the nine numbers around the diagram were ego fixations. And an ego fixation was a false personality. Okay. So if you felt you fit into number four and number four was your ego fixation, that meant this is a false construct of who you are. This is who you think you are based on your experiences and. Um, your perceptions based on what people have taught you and it's covering up the real you because Ichazo taught everybody has this pure essence, this pure untouched essence. Okay. And you have to work through the ego fixation to find it. So that was how he taught it. It's that's not, that's still not really a personality thing because yeah. he's teaching it as a false 
personality that you have to uncover for the true essence. Uh, so that is how that is how Naranjo learned it. Yeah. Also, I need to say Oscar Chazo did spirit contact. He had two spirits he contacted that he named. He also said his group was guided by an interior master. That's a reference to a spirit guide. Okay. Claudio Naranjo had spirit guides he called higher authorities. Yeah. But Claudio Naranjo takes the Enneagram and he starts teaching it at this place in Big Sur, California called Esalen, E-S-A-L-E-N. Esalen was a very edgy, innovative, kind of wild place. Okay. <laughs> at the, when it got started, um, I think I think maybe 1968. I need to double check on that. I'm a, there's so many dates with this history of, of the Enneagram that sometimes I, uh, some of them I forget. But um, at any rate, he was there probably around 1971. Okay. And what you had at Esalen was a lot of edgy, um, well, people with edgy theories in psychology and spirituality. Yeah. And Esalen actually is known as the birthplace of the human potential movement that really took off in the 70s okay. and the 80s and is still around. Uh, and it was also known as a big influence on the New Age because some of the early New Age teachers either were there or were influenced by some of the people at Esalen. So there's Claudio Naranjo. He's there and he's teaching the Enneagram. Now, there are two main people to know about here. One is named um, Bob Oakes, O-C-H-S. He was a Jesuit priest. Okay. The other is Helen Palmer, who is a still alive as a psychic. Um, Bob Oakes took the Enneagram to a Catholic, a Roman Catholic seminary in Chicago and started teaching it there. Okay. Um, so it kind of went into a part of the Roman Catholic Church, which never endorsed the Enneagram. Um, and then it also went into the New Age via Helen Palmer, who was a psychic. So it kind of took two streams there. Yeah. And uh, somewhat different because it, the, the Catholic priests who were teaching it were uh, at least some of them were infusing uh, a lot of Jungian psychology. Well, so the New Agers infuse Jungian psychology into it, too. Yeah. Um, and the Catholic priests were teaching it. And one one of them who learned it was Richard War. And Richard War was not a Jesuit, but he learned it apparently at this place in Chicago. And he later wrote a book with a man named Andrew Sabert, um, a, a Lutheran pastor. And that book is now known as the Enneagram, a Christian perspective. And that is the book that every Christian needs to know about because that has influenced. That is why the Enneagram is in the church. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the new age, the Enneagram takes off through Helen Palmer and other new agers who learn it and write books on it. And it becomes a huge thing in the new age. I mean, New Agers just jumped on it like, you know, white on rice yeah. because <laughs> it's a perfect New Age tool because it's not based on any psychological standard or research. It's not based on any objective data. data. It's just uh, it's just based on these ideas from these occult New Age people. 
Yeah. And so you can take it and kind of infuse it with the kind of meaning that you think it should have or you think it has. This is what happens with astrology. Right. It's very, the Enneagram behaves very much like an astrological chart. Okay. That's why I really understand how it works and why people believe it. Cause it's the same thing with astrology. Yeah. All my clients thought their charts were accurate. They yeah. all told me how accurate it was and how it pegged them to a T. Right. You know, and yet we're talking here about an astrological chart. That's not only not scientific, it's an occult tool. Yeah. Same thing with the Enneagram. So anyway, so it goes through these two areas Eventually, it kind of dies out in the church. And actually, there was a Jesuit priest named Mitch Pacwa who learned it early on, who wrote a book in 1992 or 1994 called Catholics and the New Age. And he had a whole chapter on the Enneagram exposing it for what it is and warning about it. Okay. So there was a warning given there. Yeah. Meanwhile, Roar's, Richard Rohr's book is out there and nothing much happens until about maybe 2008, 2009. Okay. The emergence who are now called the progressive Christians. Yeah. People like Rob Bell, Brian McLaren, Tony Jones, they were beginning, you know, they were kind of doing their own thing there. Right. And, <laughs> and um, they were having conferences. And at their conferences, they were presenting the Enneagram. Now, they were all friends with Richard Rohr. And how Richard Rohr and the emergence got together, I don't know. But I, it's a natural mutual attraction. And I can understand why they like Richard Rohr. It's because Richard Rohr, although he's Roman Catholic, and I need to say this so people know why I keep talking about him, um, his views are heretical. Yeah. They, he actually, I mean, I'm not just saying they're erroneous, they're heretical. Right. Uh, you know, Jesus and the Christ are not one and the same. Jesus didn't die for sins on the cross. And right. the first incarnation of Christ is creation. Yeah. Okay. There's three biggies right there. Yeah. He's he's not, he, he doesn't even adhere to, to Roman Catholic doctrine. He is. He do, exactly. Yeah. He doesn't even, he doesn't even adhere to so Roman Catholic doctrine. So his book. The, the Enneagram, a Christian perspective really is not a Christian perspective. Just to put that out there no. for everybody. It's not, it's, no. it's a, it's a heretical Christian perspective of the Enneagram. Exactly. He can't give a Christian perspective on anything. Right. He can give what he says is his Christian perspective. Yeah. But his view of what Christianity is, is not the biblical or historic view of Christianity. Right. So, um, you know, because of his ideas and his ideas on social justice and his open mindedness, he was naturally a figure that appealed to the emergence. And I think he had people like Rob Bell and Brian McLaren speak at his conferences. Yeah. They became friends. And Rob Bell later said that he had been influenced by Richard Ward for several years. So there's the Enneagram at their conferences, which I think clearly they got from Richard Ward. Yes. So then I saw that was going on. So in 2011, I wrote an article for my website, my first article on the Enneagram called the Enneagram GPS Gnostic Path to the Self. Yeah. I gave a, a his, short history of it. I And I explain why it's antithetical to Christianity. Yeah. I mentioned a couple of Christians who at the time were popularizing it and using it. Those two people are Suzanne Stabile 
and Alice Freiling, who I, at the, I think were both viewed as evangelicals by most Christians. Right. They were at least viewed as Christians. Alice Freiling, I think, was viewed as an evangelical because her husband had a very top position in IVP, InterVarsity Press, at the time. Okay. Um, but they both worked with Richard Rohr. And so I mentioned that in my article as a warning because of Richard Rohr's heretical views, which even at that time, I didn't know as much about as I learned later. Yeah. But I knew I knew it was bad enough to warn about. Okay, so then I think, all right, you know, that information's out there. People can find it. They can figure this out. You know, I I really and then I just kind of forgot about it. Well, all of a sudden, well, in 2014, I guess I noticed that the progressives were still using the Enneagram because I actually started posting on the Enneagram in 2014 on Facebook. Okay. So I must have had a reason. Yeah. Um, I guess I was seeing it more, but it wasn't yeah. really in the church yet. Yeah. But in 2016, The Road Back to You came out. This is a book from IVP by Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron. Uh, and it was very heavily promoted by IVP. Yeah. Because they're seen as an evangelical publisher and they do publish Christian books. Right. People assumed, well, this is a Christian book about, the, and the Enneagram is a Christian tool. Yes. And so people started getting interested in it. And the following year, Zondervan put out the Sacred Enneagram by Chris Horitz, and that sold a huge amount of copies within a short period of time. Some, I don't know, something like a hundred thousand copies. Um, and Zondervan heavily promoted it. So by this time, you know, by the end of 2017 into 2018, the Enneagram is becoming more known in the church and more people are using it. And right. they're using one of these two books mainly. 2018, it really starts to take off. More books come out. I am furiously posting Facebook posts (laughs) right and left (laughs) warning because I see it like it's like you see a storm in the distance and you're not sure if it's going to is that storm coming here or maybe the wind will blow it further north or something. But you think it could come here. We better be ready for it. That was how it looked. It was distant. It was on the horizon, but it was kind of distant. Right. And I thought maybe it'll kind of blow by and just singe a few corners of the church. Yeah. <laughs> that isn't what <laughs> okay. happened. Okay. That isn't what happened, unfortunately. No. Yeah. Um, it just got bigger and bigger and it just took off like um, a wildfire. And uh, so here's the thing people should know right now. Road Back to You is still, I think, the most popular Enneagram book in the church. Okay. Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron are disciples of Richard Rohr. Yeah. Okay. I want people to really think about that. They are disciples of a heretic. Yeah. Uh, Suzanne Stabile was mentored for several years by Richard Rohr, as was Chris Hurts author of the sacred enneagram yeah chris hertz and his wife have a very close association with richard Rohr. between their organization gravity and his center for action and contemplation which richard Rohr runs in albuquerque new mexico 
Um, I did many, many posts about the, these associations, and I did many posts warning about Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron, sometimes together, sometimes separately. Ian Cron okay. is also a close associate of Richard Rohr. He wasn't mentored by him, but he's a close associate. He and Suzanne Stabile and Chris Hurwitz have all taught at Richard Rohr's center. Now, you cannot go there and teach several times and be promoted by Richard Rohr if you disagree with his right uh, his theology. theology. Yeah, he, he won't promote you if, if that's what you're going to be doing. So right. these people clearly agree with it. And uh, you can tell by some of the things they say that they agree with it, even if they're not open about it or open on some of his more heretical views, because Suzanne Stabile's married to a Methodist minister. Yeah. And he was also mentored by Richard Rohr. Yeah. Um, and she has her organization is called Life in the Trinity, which I find to be very, very sad because the Trinity that she's talking about, if that is Richard Rohr's Trinity, it is not the biblical Trinity. Right. Richard Rohr has a book on a, on the Trinity. I've heard him give at least, I've heard at least two interviews from him on this book. It is not biblical. He thinks the Holy Spirit is kind of like a force in nature mm -hmm. and that the Holy Spirit is green. Okay. Okay. It's green like nature. Right. Okay, I mean, we've got here, we've got we've got such obviously unbiblical views. Yes, totally. You can't even pretend this is good right. Christianity. Yeah. Um, and these are the views he has, and these are his people, and this is the kind of Enneagram that's in the church. Now, some people, like Beth McCord, who calls herself an Enneagram coach, has have taken the Enneagram and tried to make it seem very Christian. Right. And they don't associate with Richard Rohr. Right. And they would probably say, I don't agree with him, but I'm yeah. teaching the Enneagram. I'm teaching a gospel centered Enneagram. I'm teaching a Christ centered Enneagram. Right. But that's like taking astrology, taking the 12 zodiac signs, changing their meaning. Okay. We can make them stand for the 12 disciples. Yes. And we can make <laughs> the disciple of personality. Yeah. And then we could somehow connect it to a Bible verse. Yeah. And then I could throw in some pseudo psychological language and yeah. I could come up with a whole chart that sounds very biblical, but it would all be based on astrology. Right. I would put in the philosophy of astrology in there, but I would mix it with the Bible. You can do that. You, you can absolutely, I even did it as an astrologer. Yeah. Hey, I did a three-part article on Jesus as the avatar of the age of Pisces, you know, when I was an astrologer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I yeah. mean, I would quote the Bible sometimes. So this is something that can be done and can sound believable. Right. So this is what's happened with the Enneagram, even by people who reject Richard Rohr's teachings. Yeah. Now, here's another problem, though. When you look at some of these people, for example, Beth McCord, she at one time on her website, she later removed their names. She had the names of her Enneagram teachers. And because she said she'd been studying it, she had studied it 15 years earlier. Yeah. And I thought, well, if she studied it 15 years ago, she couldn't have had a Christian teacher because the only people teaching it were basically were New Agers. Yeah. A few odd Catholics here and there, but I didn't quite see her learning it from a Catholic. Turns out those six people that she named were all New Agers. Okay. 
One of them being Helen Palmer, who's yes. really a big name in the new age. Right. Um, and as, as you said, a psychic, right? Yes, yes. a psychic. She no yeah. longer calls herself a psychic. And Chris Horace loves Helen Palmer. He adores her. He did a long interview uh, of her like maybe three years ago. I did. A, I listened to it a few months ago and did a Facebook post on it. He just he is promoting her big time. He doesn't call her a psychic. And in the interview, she's using semi-Christian language because yeah. I think she knows the audience is probably Christian or considers themselves Christians. Yeah. So she'll talk about the Holy Spirit. But I can guarantee you 250 percent she is not a Christian. Right. Okay. And I think just even even for a second, and I know you you kind of mentioned earlier the, the Oscar Echazo, and I, I even saw an article, and I, I, as you said, this might just be one of the potential kind of fables of its origin, but I saw an article, a video actually interview where he was claiming to have received this, the Enneagram via automatic writing. Oh yeah, I left, I'm sorry, I left that out. Yeah, I mentioned I was going to get to it, but then there's so many other things yeah. you have to bring in. You have to <laughs> right. talk about war, I have to talk about Helen Palmer, oh, yeah. about Suzanne Stabile, and then, I, and then I'm like, oh yeah, wait a minute, I forgot to say, yeah. <laughs> it's Claudio Naranjo. Oh, Claudio Naranjo, yes. In a yes. video on YouTube, a 2010 video that's still on YouTube, claims that he received information on the types from uh, automatic writing. Yeah. Now, see, he took the Enneagram, but he didn't teach it the way Ichazo he, taught he it. modified it. He yeah. taught it with yeah, with types. It's more what we're looking at today when we see the Enneagram. It's more is like his. what we're looking. Yes, it's more like what we're looking at today. He made it sound a little more, you know, contemporary and a little yeah. more keeping with psychology. Right. Um, now, could you? What, the information came automatic writing, which is a form of spirit contact. Right. And so, if you don't know what automatic writing is, essentially, the person that's the conduit is essentially writing what without, without knowing what they're writing, they're writing something down yeah. and it's coming from the spirit world. And that's, right. that's how the, so the, the personality types that we see in the Enneagram, we have to remember the, the, the person who gave us those is saying that they were given to him by essentially by a demon. I mean, yes. if we want to be clear about that. Well, yes. Cause that's what spirit guides are. They're, yeah. they're, they're demon. Now I had, I had spirit guides. This is not hard for me to believe that. I mean, Naranjo, based on what he did and, and based on what Ichazo did, I would be surprised if they didn't have spirit guides. Yeah. Well, especially they both claim it anyway. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and Naranjo talks about it in that video clip. He calls them his higher authorities. And the guy who's interviewing him knows exactly what he means. Right. He said, oh, yes, I know what you, I know the higher authorities. Yeah. Um, this is what they're talking about. They're not talking about people. Right. Um, so they're, they're talking about spirit. They, of course, they think these spirits are good. But these, uh, we know as Christians, these are fallen angels. Yeah. And so I actually did a uh, post on um, Facebook, one of my many, many posts. I don't know how many I did, maybe two or 300. I have no idea. One of them was called the Enneagram, a Doctrine of Demons. Yeah. And I said, this is, this is exactly when the Bible talks about a doctrine of demons, this is literally a doctrine of demons. <laughs> uh, it's given by demons. I think that's, that's the reason I wanted to pause there because you're talking about this, this psychic kind of speaking in Christian language and yeah. Chris, Christianizing this, this isn't, this isn't taking Christmas trees and making them Christian. This isn't, this isn't even, you know, the Easter bunny and making it a Christian thing. This is taking what is literally given by demonic forces 
and yes. trying to wrap a Christian bow around it. And that's, that really, to me, is that's concerning because I, yeah. I, re- I recognize you can take pagan cultural traditions and you can modify that celebration. I mean, we do a Christmas tree in my house every year, but I'm not, you know, going back to the pagan roots of Christmas with the Christmas Actually, tree. Actually, I've got to stop you there. Chris, Christmas is not pagan at all. Well, I agree. I yes. I have an article <laughs> on my website and I do, I've been doing a post for the last eight or nine years. I always have to psych myself up for it because I get so many people who get mad and attack yeah. me. A lot, a lot of people from the cults will come on. Um, and King James only people. And yeah. they'll be like, you know, oh no, here's, you know, Christmas was started by so-and-so and it was all, that's all myth. Right. Christmas, actually the first Christmas trees came from Christians. Um, now that I didn't so realize that's, that's good yes, to know. The first Christmas trees. Now there's one story that it came from, um, I think from Martin Luther who saw stars through treetops. And then there's one, I actually read one that seemed a little more historical. Um, I think it was, I'm not sure. I think it was Austria, maybe in the 15th century. Okay. And they, they called them paradise trees and they decorated them with apples. It was reminiscent of the Garden of Eden, yeah, yeah. the tree of love. That's really cool. And they hung them upside down. I mean, they just, it, but I, and I can't, I don't remember the whole meaning, but it was Christians who were doing it yeah. and they were trying to give a Christian message. Um, so, and it's similar with the Easter, with Easter eggs. I, when I dug into the, the source of those, I found that they came out of the Lent tradition because you would fast eggs during Lent and they would yes. dye them red to represent the blood of Christ. It was, right. you know, some of these things that, that have taken pagan meanings upon them later. Um, but it, with the Enneagram, I think it's, it's, it, even if, even if the Christmas tree was a pagan tradition that became right. a Christian tradition, it's not the same as it's not the receiving, same. No. receiving information via demonic forces and then communicating that information and then trying to wrap a Christian bow around it. <laughs> right. Cause when you think about it, a Christmas tree is an object and it's actually a tree right. made by God. Yeah. And I actually, and I do another post about the Christmas tree and the cross and, you know, cause the cross was a yeah, tree and called absolutely. a tree in, a, in one of the new Testament verses about the cross. And so there's a whole thing about trees. I did a seminary paper on trees, the imagery of trees in the Bible is very interesting. And so you're dealing with something God made right? and you're honoring Christ. Right. So you're not doing anything pagan. So the Christmas tree is not pagan, doesn't have pagan origins, but even if it did, it in itself doesn't have some kind of pagan meaning. Right. You have to give it a pagan meaning. Exactly. Um, and so it, if you think about it, I think um, like uh, I've been told wedding rings were pagan, that pagans originated the idea of exchanging rings. And it was a pagan tradition. Now, I haven't double checked that, but I've seen that in a few places. Mm-hmm. Does that mean Christians, when they get married, should not use rings? No, of course not. Because right. when they're exchanging rings, what they're thinking of is Christian marriage. Right. And it's representing their commitment before God to each other in Christian marriage. Exactly. So even if the ring was used by pagans, they're not using it the same way. Right. So an object can't be in itself. It depends on what you're, what you're meaning you're giving to it and how you're using it. it right. It's just a neutral object, like a tree or a ring. Yeah. 
it's not the same thing. That's the thing about the Enneagram. It's not spiritually neutral. Right. Exactly. If it were actually a valid psychological test and some psychologists had come up with it and said, these are nine major types of personalities that yeah. we've discovered. Yeah. And um, and we think if you, you fit one more than the other, and then let's say some Christians got hold of it and New Agers got hold of it. And then the New Agers were teaching it with New Age teachings but the Christians were teaching it with Christian teachings. Well, then you would have an argument that the Enneagram might be okay to use. Yes. If you had exactly. a scientific basis. But there but is no scientific basis. There's no science. It's just an occult new age spiritual basis. It's a spiritual tool and the new agers use it to uncover your, your inner true essence, much like Ichazo taught it. And Richard war, I should say this Richard war teaches the Enneagram as a way to uncover the true self, which he claims has never been separated from God, because he teaches we have never been separated from God. We don't need forgiveness and we don't need re right. redemption. We're all already in Christ. We just need to awaken to that truth. That's what Richard Ward teaches. Which, of course, is a heretical teaching. Again. It is a heretical teaching. And so... If you really dig a little bit, you can find that, um, for example, Chris Hurwitz, I've heard two interviews with him on the Enneagram, and in each of them, he talks about your essence and finding your essence. Well, this is Richard War's teaching, and um, even if you look through his book, you find you don't find Christian ideas in his book, The Sacred Enneagram. They're right. not there. The Road Back to You, I have a copy of The Road Back to You. Um, I've read part, big chunks of it. I've read the first chapter. I've read several other chapters. It does not read like a Christian book to me. Right. Okay. It doesn't even sound like a Christian book, even when they use Christian language. There's too many things in there that are red flags, just even in the first chapter that Ian Cron wrote, where he talks about how he was convinced to do the Enneagram, to revisit it again, because he had rejected it earlier. And he said, he this, the shadowy figure he calls Brother Dave, he doesn't name him. And he says, Brother Dave convinced him to look at the Enneagram again. And then Brother Dave comes to visit him and says, well, you know, what do you think? And Ian Cron says, oh, it was like, you know, it was like an awakening. Yeah, It was like this this moment of truth came to him, this epiphany. Okay. That's always a red flag. Right. That's always if a red you're, flag. If you're a Christian and you say, Oh, something awakened me to the truth. If you're already a Christian, you already know the truth. Right. Now you can learn new things and you can have a deeper understanding of something, but that's different than being, I would never say, well, I was awakened to a new truth by my pastor's sermon. Right. You know, I would, I would say, oh, my pastor's sermon really helped me understand that passage, you know, better. Or I, I saw things that I hadn't realized about it before or something. But I wouldn't yeah. say, oh, I was awakened to a new truth, you know, um, probably because I know that's such new age language. Yeah. But, you know, that's also the concept there is not Christian. I mean, there are other things he say, too. He actually says that the origins of the Enneagram are enough to spook the mules. Wow. He has that in the first chapter. Okay. He says, as if the origins of the Enneagram aren't enough to spook the mules. And then he admits it's not scientific. Yeah. Which, 
I think when we, when we look at that, we have to question, okay, if it's not, I mean, again, going back to the root, if it's not scientific and the, the source that we know came up with the modern Enneagram is claiming that it was given to him via automatic writing. I just, I mean, as a Christian, I would just say, whatever it says, however accurate I feel like it might be, I probably want to stay away from that. Just like I don't open up the paper and read my horoscope, you know, or, or, you know, go and get my tarot cards read or get a palm reading. I I probably want to stay away from something like that. So that kind of leads me to kind of the, the, the next question really is what then, so we can understand the roots and we understand how it's infiltrated the church. And it seems like it's just spreading even more. So more and more books are being written about it, but as that is the case, what is, what do you, well, what is its stated purpose, but what do you believe might be the underlying, you know, purpose of the enemy really in, in spreading this in the church? But what, what is the purpose yeah. of the Enneagram um, f- from like, what, what is its reason for being in a sense? And what, what, what does it hope to accomplish in us? What I think is happening from what, what I've observed and heard from people is that it is replacing the Holy, or it's trying to replace the Holy Spirit and God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is, and it's doing that in a very subtle kind of backdoor way, because people are now, including pastors, are using the Enneagram as a tool for the, like maybe their team leadership with, you know, the pastoral team. Right. They all learn each other's number and then, and they'll may even have someone come in and teach them about it as that's supposed to help them work as a team or leadership principles as a pastor. Um, you know, Todd Wilson wrote a book that came out a few months ago called um, The Enneagram Goes to Church. Um, I was in a uh, kind of uh, point, it's, it wasn't officially a debate, but it was kind of a debate okay. on a program called Unbelievable that you can find on YouTube if you okay. Google me and Todd Wilson on, yeah. on Unbelievable. Um, and he admits on that show, it's not scientific and he admits the roots of it, but he says it helped him. See, so he's relying on his experience because it it felt good and helped him. It feels like it gave him insight into him and his marriage, his children, et cetera. So now he's teaching, he's using it as a tool. He used it, you know, promoted in his church. And then he went, he left his church. He has a organization now that he, uh, theologian pastors and, so pastors are teaching it as a tool and as a tool for discipleship. Then it's being used as a tool for counseling in marriage. Yeah. It's being used as a tool for parenting, for how to parent your child. Yeah. Um, and now so, so it becomes the Enneagram becomes the basis and the tool for understanding things rather than God's word. Right. So guys, so the God's word, even if it tries to draw from God's word, if you're using the Enneagram, it's going to either misuse God's word or distort it in some way. Yes. Not really getting the teaching of God's word that you would get if you were really using the Bible correctly. Yes. You're getting it via the Enneagram. Yeah. And so I think so in that way, if it's been using for discipleship, marriage, parenting, pastoral leadership, et cetera. And it's becoming popular in Christian counseling as well. Yeah. So now some Christian counselors have told me they're very alarmed. One of them is going to have me on her podcast 
uh, because she wants to get the word out about it. She's very concerned. So if you're using the Enneagram and then you're not really using God's word. Yeah. And I also see it as replacing the Holy Spirit because you're not relying on the Holy Spirit to be the, the, you know, convict you of things. You're not relying on the Holy Spirit to teach you God's word. You're relying on this tool to give you information. Yes. And to God's word. That's, and so I, that's how I see what, yeah, what it's doing. I think you're right. And I think that, so I just even want to pause and think about, so uh, given the source, the claimed source of the Enneagram, which we as Christians would have to assume is demonic, right? The guy's claiming automatic writing and spiritual inspiration from, from a source that is not God, is not a Christian God, at least. Um, I think that there might be some validity to the reason that it feels right to people, because the reality is Satan has been studying humankind since yes. the fall. Yes. And he yes. knows, he knows me pretty well, you know, and he knows yes. my weaknesses. He knows how to push my buttons. He knows the little ins and outs of the ways that I think. And so, right. so, I mean, I think that there's like, it's not scientific, but I, it, and it is, you know, has a demonic root. And I think that there's a reason for that. And I think that because he knows exactly what's going to speak to that person who's reading that as as they read that and like, oh, really, I really identify as a four here. It makes a lot of sense about who I am. And the problem is, as we know, as believers, we've heard this time and time again, is that a lie isn't usually this from the enemy. It's not this blatant, like ugly. It says that Satan disguises right. himself as an angel of light, right? right? He's an angel right. of light. And so right. there's some truth mixed in with the lies that are there. Right. And right. that's why we latch onto these things. It feels so right. As you said that that yeah. pastor said, it feels so right. Well, yeah. it feels right because there's a nugget of truth in there, but the reality right. is he's, he's hidden his lie in there. And I think that it, 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 as you said, it's being used for counseling. And the, the thing that I kind of see with it is, is it gives people an excuse for their sin nature. Um, yeah. I, I think it gives yeah. people, Oh, I'm just, I'm just a nine. That's just how I am. You just, you, you, you yes. gotta, you, I can't change that. <laughs> Meanwhile, exactly. Jesus says, you know, my Paul says in second Corinthians five seventeen. therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Right. So maybe, maybe I could be perfectly described in the flesh as a four. I don't know, you know? Yeah. But in Christ, that's not who I am. And if I'm walking in the exactly. Holy Spirit, that's not who I right. am. And if the Holy Spirit is in my heart, I should be exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. And so, right. so I should be looking more and more like Jesus, not more and more like my flesh or that. Exactly. Know. the And the exactly the Bible tells us we're being conformed to the image of Christ. Right. And the Bible gives us the standards. It taught, for example, Galatians 5 is the, the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. And then even in other books, like other chapters of Ephesians and, and, and in Colossians, you have Paul writing about this is how, as a Christian, this is how you are to deal with problems. If this is you don't. You know, you don't use unwholesome language. You right. don't stay bitter. You aren't ang if you're angry with each other, you you go and deal with it. You yeah. don't, you know, you don't um act on that anger and you don't uh use it, you know, against the person you're supposed to be forgiving. So we have all the standards for how to behave. Yes. In scripture. And not only that, but we're being shaped 
supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And the way that happens is through God's word, through, you know, teaching, for hearing, uh, teaching on the Bible, studying the Bible, mm-hmm. yielding to the Holy Spirit through, you know, worshiping the Lord. The, these are the avenues that God has given us being part of the church. You know, these are the avenues God has given us to to be shaped more yeah. towards Christ because the world is going to do everything against that. Yes. The world is going to try to shape you. And, and it says, don't be conformed, you know, to the world. Right. So, you don't know, be conformed to the world. Enneagram yeah. is going to, at the very least, try to conform you to the flesh and to the world. Right. And and not according to, to Christ or God's word. And at the worst, it's going to lead you into unbiblical ideas about who you are and about who God is. Yes. And 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 that does. Some people yeah. have gotten interested in Richard War because of Enneagram. And I have heard Christian Enneagram teachers um recommend Richard War's book. Yeah. Which is very alarming because yeah. then the people in the audience think, well, he must know what he's talking about. Yes. <clears throat> and they write down Richard Rohr's name and then they go look up Richard Rohr and they're like, and they might read one of his books where maybe his ideas aren't so obvious and, and don't research him. And they think, oh, well, you know, this is another way to look at it. Yeah. This is interesting. I mean, I've had people tell me they got interested in Rohr and went down that path through the Enneagram and then God in different ways um, let them know it was wrong. They got yeah. convicted or found out in different ways. What was, you know, wait a minute, this isn't right. This isn't from the Lord. Yes. But, you know, so there's deception. There's a deliberate deception in the Enneagram. Yeah. Um. So, and there was one more thing I wanted to say that while you were talking there, I was thinking about, oh yeah, we also, the Enneagram can also seem like it's working. And this is the same reason for astrology because of confirmation bias and something called the Barnum effect. There are different psychological factors where we identify with a few things that are true. And then we look, we start filtering ourselves through that. Like if I think I'm a three, then I'm going to start filtering things through three. And then I'm going, and when they, and when they seem to be right, or they resonate with me, I think, oh yeah, see, there's confirmation that I'm a three. And it's very easy. This is why psychology basically doesn't accept any personality test. Right. There's no personality test at the field of psychology. The closest one is one that Jordan Peterson has talked about. Um, Well, actually, it's not a test that psychologists have talked about. He came up with a test he said that in psychology, in personality psychology, some psychologists believe there's five groupings. There's five major, I don't think he uses the word types, but there's five major um, personality. And usually you fall into one of those. Yeah. And he came up with a test that you can go online and take if you want and to see which group you're in. Yeah. But that is based on psychological theory and research. I'm right. not saying it's correct or that you right. should do it. But it, that's the only one out there that has some kind of basis in psychology. <laughs> All the yes. others are like based in other stuff. But the only one that is really a spiritual tool and claims to be a spiritual tool is the Enneagram. Right. Yeah. And I, the um, 
the the it, the claim to be a spiritual tool is really what makes it to in my mind so so dangerous and i think it's it, it you know it claims to show us you, you mentioned that that true self right looking for that true right. self and right. um the problem with that is as i even just as i said in the scripture before that you know we're a new creation in jesus christ i mean galatians 2 says i've been crucified with christ and it's no longer i that live but christ right. lives in me so Right. As a Christian, my true self is not found best by studying the Enneagram. My true right. self is found best by studying God's word and allowing the Holy Spirit to mold me and shape me into the image of Christ. My right. true self is should be growing ever closer to Christ, not ever closer to what I kind of see myself as. And you mentioned earlier um, the first Timothy four, one, where it says now the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart yeah. from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Doctrines and, of demons. and I think it's so clear on so many levels that we're, I mean, we've been in the last days for a long time, but we are in the, the latter days. Right. <laughs> and the, 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 the truth of that statement that the spirit is communicating that, that in the, the latter days, people will depart from the, 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 the truth following after doctrines of demons. And that's my concern with the Enneagram is that yeah, this yeah, is easily defined as a doctrine of a demon, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's there yeah. and people are getting sucked into it. And it might have just like Satan disguises, disguises himself as an angel of light. It, it has an element of attractiveness truth, to it. And yeah. there's an element of truth, yeah. but then it leads you to this path of self discovery that really is not doing anything, but indulging the flesh and not yeah, pointing exactly. us to Christ. And that is a, that is an area we as humans can easily fall into. Yeah. Because we're all fascinated with ourselves. Right. And, you know, people who have gotten into the Enneagram and then, then, then rejected it have said, this is what happened to them. They said, I became so self-absorbed, Yes. you know, and I became so interested in it. I was reading more about the Enneagram than I was reading the Bible. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of starts to take, it starts to eat up your time because with all the books out there and all yeah. the workshops you can do, and then you could even be think, hey, I could teach this to other people. I'm going to go get certified mm -hmm. as an Enneagram teacher, or an Enneagram coach. And, and Beth McCord offers that. She has her own certification program. There's a pastor who's offering it. It's called Gospel Enneagram. That's his website. And he and I believe the other people involved, or at least some of them are pastors, are former pastors, and they're very big on the Enneagram and they yeah. promote it heavily. Um, and so, and the problem is, and, and one of the dangers that I saw back when it was getting popular is that if this gets so popular and widespread in the church and so many pastors promote it and so many books are published, people are going to tend to be skeptical that anything said against it is true right. because their natural reaction is going to be, well, if it's really not Christian or if it's really from the occult or it's really a new age tool, then we wouldn't have 35 Christian books on it. Right. And we wouldn't have pastor so-and-so wouldn't be promoting it or all these pastors are promoting it. In fact, somebody told me that was the response they got from a pastor that they tried to give information to him on the Enneagram and, and it was some of it was my information or all of it was. And he said he didn't believe it because so many pastors were promoting it and yeah. he didn't think they could be wrong. 
Right. And that was, and that, and right there, he closed the door on any information. And that's such an important thing to note for people is one, one, there's so much information out there that claims to be Christian. I mean, Richard Rohr is a perfect example, but even, even other, other, you know, we live in the information age. There's so much information out there. And just because someone claims to be a pastor does not mean that they're teaching good sound theology or doctrine. Right. And And it doesn't mean they can't be deceived. Yeah. And that's the other side of it. They could have good intentions and be totally deceived by something. Which I think is probably the case in most cases. That's what's happened. I agree. And, and the thing is, is that the New Testament is full of warnings to Christians, to people in the church about false teachings. Yes. Well, they would, those warnings wouldn't be there if Christians couldn't be deceived. Yeah. You know, then Paul and others would have just said, oh, well, you're a Christian. You can't be deceived. So, you know, these false teachers out there. Yeah. You know, you don't need to worry about. Them. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Know? It's like, it's like, warn yeah. the unbelievers. But, you know, no, they're saying here and in Galatians, he talks about how some of you are following, you know, these people who are teaching these doctrines yeah. uh, that are not from God. And in Corinthians, he says, I am afraid that just like Eve, you have been deceived and have left the, you know, the basic pure simplicity of the gospel right. for right. these teachings. So and he's and of course, Corinthians is the book that talks about. Satan being the angel of light, you know, disguising himself as an angel of light. Right. So it's very, very clear in scripture that Christians can be deceived. And that's, you know, that's in a way humbling because all it's true for all of us. Yes. You know, I'm absolutely. learning about the Enneagram. That doesn't mean I can't be deceived by something else. Right. Maybe the Enneagram won't deceive me, but I could be deceived by another false idea. So we all are supposed to be vigilant. You know, we're all supposed to be discerning. We're all supposed to be studying God's word because that equips us to be more discerning. Yes. And so that keeps us humble because pride is what would cause us to say, I can't be deceived. Yeah. That would be pride. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think that one of the reactions that I anticipate happening as people are that maybe have kind of bought into the Enneagram and have, you know, invested some time and energy in studying it and maybe feel that it very accurately identifies them as well. You know, that it's just so true about me and I'm learning how to interact with other people and some of those things. What would you say to, to that person that, that has found in their opinion, found benefit from this and how, the, the danger, but then also where really they could find that same benefit, not in the, the study of a doctrine of demons, right? What would you right. say to that? Um, I have had people say, um, it, well, it's helped me, or they've told me people, their friends have told them that, you know, yeah. and they've told me, oh, but it helped me. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to stop using it because it's helped me. So it must be an okay tool. Right. So that's a very common response. So my first response to that is that is not the criteria we're told in scripture to use as a Christian. Yes. It's not whether it's helping me or not. It's not whether it's giving me a good experience. It's not that it makes me feel good or it makes me think uh, it thinks certain things that I think are true. We have to look at objective evidence as Christians for a tool that's claiming to be able to tell you who you are, 
then it needs to be based on something objective, some yeah. objective data, something. And it's not. And when it's not, we have to realize that we can believe something because it has a little bit of truth in it, mm-hmm. like you said earlier, and we latch on to that. And I usually, of course, I always use astrology as the example. Yeah. And I say, well, if we're going to use the criteria that it worked for me, it helped me understand my husband, et cetera, et cetera. If you're going to use it as a criteria, then you're going to have to say astrology is valid yeah. because all of my clients said astrology helped them. Right. And I did relationship charts for a lot of my yeah. clients. I did charts. They would bring me their their birth data of their husband or their wife. I would compare the charts and I would talk about their relationship and they would be like, wow, yeah, you know, those are our problems. Yeah, Yeah. that's the one she is, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Well, okay. If I had, if I can get the testimony of all these astrological clients that the astrology helped them, then you are going to have to say, oh, okay, then astrology is valid. Yeah. But we know astrology isn't valid. It's, <laughs> yes. it's not based on anything scientific and yeah. it's occultic. Yeah. So you can't use that as the criteria. Otherwise, you're going to have to accept you or your tarot card reader. Yeah. Maybe someone went to a tarot card reader and she knew what was going on in their life and help, and gave them advice and that advice helped them. Yeah. So then should we accept tarot card reading to right. card? valid tools. So you can't use the criteria of personal subjective. This is actually called the anecdotal fallacy. Yeah. Anecdotes are not, are not evidence. That's why all these pseudo, you know, pseudo like snake oil stuff out there, you can find on the websites, you don't find anything about science supporting it, but you find, you know, 150 testimonies, testimonies. Oh, here's all the people who've used our product and they love it. Yeah, I know, <laughs> then, right? Yeah. You know, that's like- We I'm won't sorry, tell you that we that, paid them a little bit. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, even if they didn't, these people yeah. could really think it helped them. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's an, the anecdotal fallacy. Yeah. And it's that's why it's called a fallacy because it's not evidence. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's uh, essentially, it's like saying, well, I'm a nine and this is how I operate. It's the same thing as saying I'm a Capricorn and this is yeah, just- Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, you're latching onto a false identity. Yeah. And you think that it's you. And I can understand that because I, I mean, I was an astrologer. So not only yeah. did I do this for other people, but I believed it. Yeah. I mean, I totally believed astrology. I had my son's chart take tack, uh, thumbtack to his door, his bedroom door. And, you know, I filtered everything through my chart that was going on with me. I, yeah. I would think about, oh, okay. Yeah. I see why I did. I see yeah. why I feel that way about that person. It's because of my moon and the, you know, the, the ninth house or whatever. And so there's, there's just this danger of this false identification with a false identity and you latching on to that, it's the more you use it, the more real it's going to seem and the harder it's going to be to separate yourself from it. Yeah. And the false identity is the, the key word there and a primary danger, I believe, in using the Enneagram or astrology right. for that matter or right. or anything right. else. Even even I would say some of the the the, you know, less demonic sources of some of the other personality tests. I think it's so easy for us to latch onto a false identity when as a believer, my identity is in Christ. And that's really what we have to latch onto is my identity in Christ. I'm no longer, 
uh, a hopeless sinner. I'm, he, I'm called a saint now, you know, right, you're redeemed. <laughs> yes. You're a redeemed sinner. Right. And these, I, the, anyway, personality is a very ephemeral thing it, it, and, and we change, you know, they we even do. say like with the Myers-Briggs, which psychology doesn't consider scientific either, um, that you can take it and then five years later, take it and you'll come be out totally different. Yeah. I mean, I, I know for myself, change. I've changed. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know it's true for me too. I can look back at how I was my first freshman year in college. I was different than my senior year in college. I was different than I was 10 years later. Yeah. And I was different than I am all these, I won't say how many decades later, <laughs> okay. but a few decades in there yeah. since I was in college. I, and, 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 and anyway, that's not, you know, like I, I said on, on one program I was on, I said, God cares about our character, yes. not our personality. Right. Look at if you, we can see what we would call personality with with like maybe someone like Peter, you know, he's very impulsive. Yeah. He seemed to be very impulsive and very passionate. And, but that didn't matter. You know, right. what mattered was character. Who he thought Christ was and was he yielding to Christ's teachings? Yes. Was he listening to what Christ taught him and was he going to abide by that? Absolutely. That is what God cares about. Yeah. And so the personality it's not going to thwart what God is doing in your life. Absolutely. You know, you, God, God can get by your personality and use you. You just have to be willing. Yeah. I think of the apostle John, um, just the apostle John was one of the sons of thunder, you know, in the gospels, yeah, which, yeah. I mean, he tried to call down fire from heaven to consume a city that kind of had rejected yeah. them. And then later in life, I mean, theologians call him the apostle of love because yeah. that's really yeah. the theme of the, the, the writings that the Holy spirit spoke through him as he wrote the, the books that the gospel of John and then the books, you know, first, second, third John and, um, just that, that theme of love, the personality changed as the Holy spirit interacted with him and he yielded to that work of the Holy spirit. And so I think it's so important that we really understand that our identity is in Christ as Christians. And it's not, it's definitely not in what a demon would define us as. So from the, the Enneagram perspective, not something we should be right. looking at, but even right. then, I think that really it, it, it comes down to, and just kind of a closing thought for me from the scriptural perspective is Colossians chapter three, verse one through four, where it says, since then you have been raised with Christ. So I'm no longer the person I was. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ right. is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life appears, then you also appear with him in glory. And so uh, all of me, however accurate the Enneagram may speak of it is that person is dead. And I, my life is now hidden with Christ and God. And my mind should be set on earth, on things above, not on earthly things. And the Enneagram is quite certainly an earthly thing. And so, um, just, I would just say to my listeners out there, be careful, um, with this. And just because something is written from a, a Christian perspective or claiming that doesn't mean that it is actually truly a biblical perspective. And, um, I think it's important to, to when we're submitting ourselves under something, which is what people do with the Enneagram, you're submitting yourself yeah. to this number. Yeah, We need are. to be very careful about what the, what we are submitting ourselves to. And, and it really should be 
the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And so, um, well, thank you so much, Marsha, for being on the program and for your words. I learned a lot because there was a lot of information there that I hadn't heard before. So you're very well studied on this subject. Um, and very blessed to have such a knowledgeable, um, guest to share on this because I I actually thought about just doing one myself on this and I didn't have half the information that you did. So that was really great. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Well, listen, I need, I didn't mention, um, you know, I gave my website and my Facebook page, but I forgot to mention maybe one of the most important resources for people, at least on the Enneagram is the book, Richard Rohr and the Enneagram secret, Okay. which I wrote with two other people. Okay. Don and Joy Vino, whose name is actually on the book first, Don and Joy Vino. And then it says Marsha Montenegro. Um, Richard Rohr and the Enneagram secret came out in 2020. Okay. So it's been out over a year. Yeah. And you can look that up on Amazon or pretty much anywhere where you get books. Perfect. And if you go to EnneagramSecret.com, that's a resource page for the book. And we have, well, Don has posted, my co-author has posted videos and podcasts there. And okay. you can read the first chapter for free. That's great. So, And you can buy the book there too in different venues. EnneagramSecret.com, is that right? Yeah, EnneagramSecret.com. Yeah. And, and um, if, you know you forget that, just message me on Facebook or email me and I'll tell you. Okay. So anyway, yeah, that's, and that book is everything I've said today is in that book plus more. Okay. It'll be, it'll be all you ever want to know about the Enneagram and more. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's great. That's great. I highly recommend reading that then. It sounds like you can get on Amazon or EnneagramSecret.com. Once again, what was your website address again? Uh, Christian answers for the new age.org Christian answers for the new age.org. And, um, just a great conversation today. Thank you so much for your time. Once again, guest today is Marsha Montenegro and, um, an ex astrologer, um, who, who was uh, redeemed and God really stepped in. And so uh, again, is uniquely qualified to speak on this subject and on others. So hopefully maybe we'll talk about some other subjects in the future that are new age one day. Yeah, there we go. That'd be great. Would love to. Um, So thank you for listening. Um, Hope you've been blessed and encouraged in our time today. Um, And really, if you want to find your true self, your true self, if you're a believer in Jesus is found in Christ, your identity is in Christ. Uh, Look to the word, yield to the Holy Spirit and allow him to speak to you and allow him to direct you and allow him to mold you into his image. Because that's that's what we're all destined for anyways, is he's conforming us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And so um, that's what we want to be. I know I don't want to be in my sin nature. I don't want to be my old man because I'm I'm just, I'm a mess on my own. So, um, (laughs) so with that, thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great day. Once again, if you click that like or follow button, um, check out Marsha's stuff online. Once again, it's Marsha Montenegro, um, the Enneagram secret or, um, Christian answers for the new age as well. Lots of great resources there. And with that, we're going to sign off for today, but have a great day and God bless you.